welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including, of course, it's March. We're syndicated and statewide in the center of the college basketball universe. March Madness is upon us. Tournaments in many conferences already underway. Some of the teams we know best already involved in regular season action. We will crown in all likelihood our state's only regular season champion. Any team, any school, any conference, we're gonna have at least one, probably only one regular season champ. And it will be determined tonight in Durham. It is the Aggie Eagle Basketball Classic. More on that after Lavelle Moten of the Eagles dropped by just yesterday. A&T beat Central in Greensboro earlier this year. They are, as is often the case, the two best teams in the MEAC. Tonight's winner will be the regular season champion and the number one seed in Norfolk, Virginia next week at the MEAC tournament, which of course will produce an automatic bid champion for the NCAA tournament, that big bracket. We have at NC State a continuing Wolfpack bubble watch. We have at Wake Forest a continuing Danny Manning watch. We were able to break some news along those lines yesterday for you here at the David Glenn Show and at accsports.com. For all the details, head to accsports.com. Danny Manning's agent and Wake Forest are discussing details of the buyout. Learn more details at accsports.com as we continue our Wolfpack bubble watch and our Danny Manning coaching carousel watch. Duke and Carolina, of course, are set to resume. One of America's greatest sports rivalries. I will see you at Cameron on Saturday night as the Heels visit the Devils. It was Duke 98, Carolina 96 in that overtime thriller in Chapel Hill earlier this year. ESPN will have the call on Saturday night. I will see you at Cameron Indoor Stadium where I will be jammed into my seat near midcourt on press row with the Cameron Crazies. So close to us, their face paint usually ends up on the back of our jackets. That's not a complaint. That's just an observation. We have a lot of March Madness to get to near and afar. We have the Aggies visiting the Eagles. We have other big games nationally and closer to home. We have John Mooney of Notre Dame, who is one of the best players in the Atlantic Coast Conference. His Irish almost took out Florida State last night in South Bend. He is a senior. He is that rare four-year guy who was all-conference as a junior, but after most others who fit that description did turn pro, many of them early, John Mooney stayed for his senior year. He has a great shot at first-team All-ACC after being third-team a year ago. He, of course, will make money as a professional basketball player. John Mooney of the Fighting Irish will drop by here in our number two. And continuing our March Madness theme, how about a little Bobby Kremens today? Former Appalachian State basketball coach in the ACC, of course, the longtime leader of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. College of Charleston was his final stop before retirement. He remains a broadcaster and a friend of the program. Bobby Kremens will drop by in hour number two. Did you know, and I've been getting a lot of college basketball questions that have included this one, when is the last time a lower seed 
won the ACC tournament. Well, it depends on what you mean by a lower seed, right? And some Carolina fans are wondering whether the Heels as a double-digit seed they didn't even have them back in the day. The league was only eight or nine members for a while. Now there are 15, of course. Georgia Tech won't participate in Greensboro next week, so it'll be a 14-team bracket. The Heels will be a double-digit seed, and some Carolina fans see them playing better, three-game winning streak, and they wonder, when's the last time a lower seed won the ACC tournament? Well, I can tell you for sure, no double-digit seed has ever won the ACC tournament. That part is easy. The lowest ever happens to include a Bobby Kremens team. There are a handful of six seeds that did cut down the nets at the ACC basketball tournament. Jimmy V at NC State did it with a six seed back in 1987. Legendary UVA coach Terry Holland did it way back in the 70s as a six seed. A guy named Gary Williams at Maryland about 16 years ago did it with a six seed. Bobby Kremens and former Duke coach Bill Foster are the only other two guys who have authored a six seed, upsetting the ACC apple cart and cutting down the nets for that automatic bid. Bobby Kremens, that was in 1993, he led the sixth seeded Yellow Jackets to the ACC title. Coach Kremens, hour two. John Mooney of Notre Dame, hour two. And last but certainly not least, he is Almost always first in alphabetical order, that's for sure. Ala Abdel Nabi is going to join us. Former Duke big man, longtime NBA player, now an analyst for CBS and the Philadelphia 76ers, among others, on all things basketball. Ala played for Coach K at Duke in the late 80s and just barely into the 1990s. He, of course, has played in that Duke-Carolina rivalry that is set to resume shortly. We'll talk NBA, rivalries, college hoops, and other things when Ala Abdelnabi drops by in hour number three. So a lot of basketball, but not only basketball. The NFL is front and center. Panthers fans are trying to make sense of a major trade. Why would you send a 26-year-old five-time Pro Bowler offensive lineman, Trey Turner, to the Chargers in exchange for a 31-year-old Russell Okung, who has made a couple of Pro Bowls, but has only one year left on his contract, is about five years older, etc., is even more expensive than Trey Turner is. Why would you do that? Well, I have some of the answers. You may not like all of them, but I'll get into that as we take your calls as well. Russell Okung incoming for Matt Rule's Carolina Panthers. One of the other most recognizable faces. Remember, Thomas Davis is long gone. Julius Peppers retired. I mean, holy cow, Charles Johnson was been, has been gone for a while. Most recently, of course, Luke Keekley retired. It was a surprise to many. Greg Olson has moved on to the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's still around. Cam Newton's still around kind of with the asterisk. We're not even sure what to make of that. Trey Turner is a five-time pro bowler. Third-round Panthers pick out of LSU, one of the more popular guys on the team, huge personality, great guest here on the David Glenn Show. Now you're really going to need a program to understand who's still in Carolina. Trey Turner on his way to the Chargers, left tackle Russell Okung in a Panthers uniform, assuming no problems with medicals and physicals. That trade will not become official 
until March 18th, which is kind of the start of the NFL New Year. It's just a technicality, but if you don't see the Panthers announcing such things, that's why. Big day for the collective bargaining agreement. If you're just one of those fans rooting for 11 more years of labor peace, you may be happy to learn that ballots were sent to members of the NFL Players Association today at 9 a.m. Now, they have a full week to get their ballot in. Team owners have already approved this new CBA proposal. That means it only requires a simple majority of NFLPA membership. That's one more vote, yes, than votes no. Some big names are saying they're voting no, but many others are saying they're voting yes. If they get that simple majority, we will have 11 more years of labor peace in the NFL. That means all the way through the 2030 NFL season. As you probably know by now, the expansion of the regular season from 16 games to 17 is among the most sensitive topics that many of the NFL players do not want to approve unless they get a whole lot in return. And frankly, I don't blame them. Would you believe that the United States Supreme Court is expected to announce soon whether or not it is going to take a case related to the NFL Sunday ticket offered by DirecTV? Long story short, without getting into the legal details, they're alleging, there's a class action suit alleging that it's basically a monopoly. Because if you're an out-of-market NFL fan wanting to watch your favorite team, if you live here in North Carolina and you love the Panthers, well, you're going to get them on broadcast TV, right? If you live here but you root for somebody else that's not in the NFL's assigned TV region, like my Philadelphia Eagles, for example, there is one and only one way for me to get every Eagles game. Like, I can hope that every once in a while they're on one of the – broadcast channels or you know maybe a Monday night or a Sunday night's Thursday night specialty game the only way for me or many of you to get my out of market team every single game is through the DirecTV NFL Sunday ticket there is a huge lawsuit that's been lingering for years alleging that that's an illegal monopoly like they're conspiring to keep the price so high because of the lack of competition that's the only way you can get all of those out of market games if you're inches from the Supreme Court, that is officially a really big deal to a lot of NFL fans. Maybe you haven't considered buying that because it was too high in price. That essentially antitrust case could, could be accepted by the United States Supreme Court as early as the next couple of days. The Carolina Hurricanes, the NBA also in the headlines. The Canes haven't played since Saturday. They're in Philly tonight. The Flyers happen to be one of the hottest teams in hockey. I don't know why that's become a habit for the Canes, but like when the Avalanche were one of the hottest teams in hockey, they show up at PNC Arena to play the Canes. When the Dallas Stars were one of the hottest teams in hockey, they were next on the schedule for the Carolina Hurricanes. The Canes right now are out of playoff position. The surging Flyers, seven straight victories, are actually one point behind the Washington Capitals at the top of the Metro Division. Not quite assuring a playoff spot, but Washington, Philly, Pittsburgh, three teams in the Metro that are closer to feeling great about locking up a playoff bid. Nobody's done so mathematically. Flyers hosting the Canes tonight. Your questions and comments on that are welcome. The direct TV controversy also welcome. The Panthers trade welcome. And all of our March Madness offerings, including the Aggie Eagle Basketball Classic tonight, Duke Carolina Saturday, the Danny Manning Watch, the Wolfpack Bubble Watch, 
a little bit on a lot of things. We will offer our two cents, and of course, we will welcome yours throughout today's program. Ala Abdul Nabi on Hoops, third hour. John Mooney of Notre Dame, second hour. Bobby Cremens in hour number two as well. That leaves part of this hour for your phone calls. Darren Vaught is the producer of this program. Intern Will represents with distinction William Peace University. Will will be the first voice you hear when you dial 1-800-849-2761. How are you feeling about the Canes? What are you thinking about Duke at uh, Carolina at Duke, the rematch in Durham? Yaggies, Aggies and Eagles, Danny Manning, Kevin Keats, Wolfpack. We'll get to as many calls as we can this hour with all three guests coming a little bit later. Darren, you and I are headed to Greensboro next week, right? You uh, even have some broadcasting responsibilities out there, if I remember correctly. I do. I'll be doing some play-by-play for our Triangle affiliate, 99.9 The Fan. On um, It's still yet to be determined because there's not a final bracket, but probably Tuesday and Wednesday I'll get a game or two per day. I know that even though you're big time now, you tend to be flexible. Like, you're not demanding a trade. <laughs> you're not pointing to the language in the fine print in your contract saying, why haven't you told me which game yet or any of that. I respect that kind of flexibility in you, young man. Uh, you may not have known this. Next Thursday, meaning one week from today, you grew up in Virginia. Trying to think of the timeline. You were not yet born when Ralph Sampson, seven foot four, three-time national player of the year, was strutting his stuff for some great Virginia basketball teams. Now, I'm sure you've read or heard about it since then. I heard right? a lot about him, especially when I was younger, for sure. Big Ralph's been a guest here on the David Glenn Show. I haven't talked to him in a while, but guess what? You can see him one week from today, if and only if, you stop by Reed's Jewelers next Thursday, that's March 12th, you can visit the three-time Citizen Naismith Trophy winner, Ralph Sampson. The seven-foot-four UVA legend will be on site at Reed's Jewelers in Greensboro, signing autographs a week from today, 5.30 to 7 p.m. And with your purchase of a Citizen watch, you can even get a limited-edition autographed gift as well. Reed's Jewelers in Greensboro is located at 1612 Highwoods Boulevard, Citizen Watch, proud sponsor of the Citizen Naismith College Player of the Year Awards. Ralph Sampson, three-time winner of that award back in the day. Again, that's a week from today. If you're headed to the ACC tournament, check out Reed's Jewelers 530 to 7 is when seven foot four Ralph Sampson will be signing autographs and having fun with all of us. Matt and Raleigh wants to be first up on March Madness or the NFL, NBA, NHL headlines of the day. You can chime in with your question or comment, 1-800-849-2761. Why would the Panthers trade a 26-year-old five-time Pro Bowl offensive lineman for a 31-year-old left tackle? More on that story, a lot of March Madness, and your calls, 1-800-849-2761. That's next on The David Glenn Show. Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome, and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. show lines are open on Duke Carolina the Danny Manning watch the Wolfpack bubble watch bunch of tournaments underway the ACC women in Greensboro as we speak the men's Big South tournament continues today UNC Asheville head-to-head -head against Gardner Webb 
The men's SOCON tournament begins tomorrow and runs through Monday in lovely Asheville, North Carolina. Shout out to our friends at ESPN Asheville listening in that part of our statewide audience. Western Carolina under son of Skip Prosser, Mark Prosser, and UNC Greensboro under Wes Miller, two of the better teams in that league, but not quite as great as, say, an ETSU or even the Furman Paladins. You can jump in with your question or comment on any of those March Madness items or North Carolina A&T visiting NC Central. That is a national TV game tonight. Lavelle Moton's Eagles host the Aggies after losing to them in Greensboro earlier this season. That's a 7 o'clock start. ESPNU with the call. The winner will be the regular season champion in the MEAC. Quick reminder, the reason I say that's probably our only regular season champion out of all the teams that we have in Division I men's basketball, Florida State winning at Notre Dame last night means that the Seminoles have to only beat Boston College in Tallahassee to get to the point where they're 16-4. and four. Uh, Nobody's betting on the Eagles to beat the Seminoles in Tallahassee, right? So Leonard Hamilton, in all likelihood, is at worst going to share an ACC regular season title. That's the first for him in his 18 years. He does have a tournament title. This would be a first regular season championship. He, along with Tony Bennett of UVA, by the way, are getting the most support that I've seen for ACC Coach of the Year honors. Tony has actually won it four of the last six years. Your calls on all March Madness, plus the NFL, NBA, NHL, and other headlines of the day, 1-800-849-2761. Only Louisville is in position to tie what would be a Florida State 16-4 and conference record. So Duke, even with a win over the Tar Heels Saturday, would be only 15-5. and So they would finish second or third or whatever, ties included. Only Louisville could get to 16-4 and besides the Florida State Seminoles. So FSU's victory in South Bend over John Mooney and the Irish was a big deal last night for a lot of reasons, that being one of them. John Mooney live in about 60 minutes here on the David Glenn Show. First team All-ACC candidate Bobby Kremens live in 35 minutes a la Abdel Nabi on some NBA, some college basketball, and some other things when the former Duke and NBA player joins us in hour number three. One thing I mentioned, and then we'll get to as many of your calls as we can, on the Canes and the NHL, Several NFL headlines. The Clippers face the Rockets tonight. I believe they're two of the four best teams in the NBA. So one more highlight beyond March Madness for all the Hoops fans out there. The Carolina, the Carolina Panthers have made a major trade, and it's not registering very well with a lot of their fans. At first glance, it makes no sense to trade a 26-year-old offensive lineman for a 31-year-old offensive lineman, right? At first glance, it makes no sense when the younger guy is a five-time pro bowler, hasn't been in the NFL as long, but has been to five pro bowls. The older guy has been there a lot longer and has been to only two pro bowls, right? Why would you trade the five-time pro bowler in exchange for the two-time pro bowler? It stops making sense to many as well because Trey Turner of the Panthers, but now the Chargers, as soon as this trade becomes official, has two years remaining on his contract, and Russell Okung, the incoming player, has only one year left on his contract. You all know how general managers like their cost certainty, and if they believe they have a really good player signed for two more years at a reasonable price, that's even more compelling than a good player signed for one year at a reasonable price. So that's three or four different reasons Panther fans are scratching their head 
why do we want 31-year-old Russell Okung rather than 26-year-old, and remember, team captain Trey Turner? Why do we want the two-time pro bowler instead of the five-time pro bowler? These are not dumb questions, and especially in a locker room where how many folks can really name a lot now? How many people can name more than, well, Cam Newton is still there, although he might not still be a Panther next season. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is still there, although he wants a new contract, and some people believe they might trade him out of town. I mean, everybody else, all the other big names are already gone, almost all of them. So now Trey Turner, another big name, team captain, is on his way to the L.A. Chargers. Russell Okung is on his way to the Carolina Panthers. As we come to Mason and Greensboro, Matt is in Raleigh, others calling from the beach and the mountains. You can join us on any of these topics at 1-800-849-2761. The bottom line, as you try to process what by those accounts is an illogical trade for owner, Marty Her owner David Tepper, GM Marty Herney, and the new head coach Matt Rule and his staff, it really boils down to this. Do you trust David Tepper's analytics-style approach to the NFL? Do you trust Matt Rule and his new assistant coaching staff when it comes to how they evaluated returning Panthers? You think they might have done a deep dive on video when they got the job? And whatever you think of Trey Turner as a five-time pro bowler, they're going to have an opinion of him as he fits their offensive preferences or whatever, their analytics, their metrics, everything else. Do you trust Marty Herney, the leftover from the Ron Rivera-era GM? At first glance, this trade does not make sense from the Panthers' perspective. This may or may not make you feel any better, but here's the bottom line. The new offensive line coach for the Carolina Panthers is a guy named Pat Meyer. Guess where he was the last three years? With the Chargers. Guess who he coached for the last three years? Left tackle Russell Okung. If you can't get to the point where you trust Matt Rule's evaluation, trusting his new offensive line coach, Pat Meyer, who just spent three full seasons coaching every single day Russell Okung well you're not going to trust this turning of the page for the Carolina Panthers franchise that is we've watched Trey Turner on video we have our offensive line coach working hand in hand with this new left tackle and you got to either trust him or you don't trust him only that will help you overcome the Panthers shipping out a five-time 26-year-old offensive lineman and welcoming the 31-year-old two-time Pro Bowl offensive lineman. The only other part that makes sense, and this gets back to metrics and philosophy and analytics and all the rest, Russell Okung is a proven left tackle. When is the last time you felt as if the Carolina Panthers had a proven left tackle? Is it when broadcaster Jordan Gross, who has joined us many times as a radio guest, when he was at left tackle? I mean, maybe you felt like when Michael Orr was healthy, that was good. What was that, 2015, the Super Bowl year? Maybe early 2016? It's been almost five years since the Panthers felt good about left tackle, which any good quarterback will tell you, especially those right-handers, will tell you that that's the guy who protects my back. And whether it's Cam Newton for another year or it's somebody else under Matt Rule, I think the Panthers are looking at this as left tackles according to the metrics, according to the analytics, are much harder to find than interior offensive linemen. So even though Trey Turner's 26 and a five-time pro bowler, pro football focus doesn't view him as one of the best offensive guards in the NFL. Pro bowls do not equate to all pro. They're very, very different things. Trey Turner's been good, 
but not quite elite in those five Pro Bowl seasons. Russell Okung was a Pro Bowler as recently as 2017, and he's a left tackle. Interior offensive linemen don't exactly grow on trees, but the way you look at it, it's kind of like they're debating the McCaffrey situation. Most NFL teams do not believe it's smart to invest huge money in even the most reliable running back. If the Panthers make that conclusion, and Christian McCaffrey and his agent are very aggressive about the new deal that they want, you know what's going to happen? Christian McCaffrey is going to be traded in the image of what Matt Rule, David Tepper, and Marty Herney want to do. The Panthers have to make that philosophical decision about how much money you spend even on a great dual-threat running back, which I think we all agree Christian McCaffrey has proven to be for the Panthers. He does have one year left on his deal, but those conversations are happening right now. Trey Turner to the Chargers, 31-year-old Russell Okung with only one year left on his deal, and at $13 million, he's actually more expensive than the guy you're trading out, Trey Turner. Trey Turner was going to count less toward the cap in each of the next two years than Okung will in his one year under contract. Maybe they try to extend him, but again, he turns 32 years old this year. That's at least starting to get a little bit old by NFL standards. Do you trust David Tepper, Matt Rule, and Marty Herney? A lot of people thought Carolina Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon was crazy with his unique approach a couple years ago when he took over. He didn't turn out to be crazy. That playoff run last year was a lot of fun. But for some injuries, the Canes would be in great position to make another playoff trip this year. We'll see. Maybe they'll do it even despite those injuries. It doesn't make sense at first glance, but those are the dynamics behind the Panthers believing that trading team captain Trey Turner to the Chargers made sense in their eyes. Mason in Greensboro has March Madness and or the Danny Manning watch on his mind. Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, DG. Big fan of the show. Um, I think it's safe to say Danny Manning's time at Wake is done. So I wanted to throw out two names at you. Uh, Wes Miller at UNCG and Tim Duncan, who's actually an assistant for the Spurs now. Just wanted to see what you thought about those as Wake's coach next year. Timmy D, I would say almost a 0% chance he doesn't want it and they don't want him. Like the old saying, it takes two to tango. Tim Duncan is a really interesting personality who just doesn't want the headache and complications of a head coaching job in major college basketball, in all seriousness. Obviously, he has a wonderful relationship with Wake Forest. He just got that win the other night stepping in for Greg Popovich. I'm not disparaging him as a coach at all. But he's a relatively recent convert to even the concept of coaching. Of course, he's never recruited before. There's just not enough experience there for Wake after 10 years of mostly misery to hitch their wagon to somebody who's, despite him being an alum and so popular and so famous and all that, they just they are not going to go down that risky road given his lack of experience. Um, and you said Wes Miller of UNC Greensboro. I think he is one of the top up-and-coming coaches in all of college basketball. Now, that doesn't mean he would be the number one target of the Demon Deacons uh, when the Danny Manning era comes to an end. I'm intrigued by John Beeline. A lot of people forget. Uh, yes, he is only – yes, he is not only. He is 67 years old, and that is fairly long in the tooth, obviously. But the guy within the last decade took Michigan to two national championship games. I mean, you want to talk about qualified. 
There is not an eligible available coach. He was recently fired by the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA, for those who don't remember. So he didn't work out at the NBA level. Man, that guy built the Richmond program. He built the West Virginia program. He built the Michigan program. Two national title games in the last decade. It's not like his accomplishments are a long time ago. What was the more recent of those? Just three years ago? I mean, that's a heck of a resume. Now, some say, well, it's 67, I'm not interested. I, I don't know. I would take five or six years of a guy. Jim Beheim's 75. That's eight years older than John Beeline. Would I take five or six years of a guy who's approaching his 70s in a couple years just to set Wake Forest basketball back on track? I would. Would I also talk to Wes Miller of UNC Greensboro? Yes, I would. Uh, but despite his success there, some wonder – can you automatically be successful in a power conference just because you've been successful in the Southern Conference? Now, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Wes has done an amazing job over the last, what, four or five years, taking UNC Greensboro to the NCAA tournament. They've only been there, I believe, three times in the history of their school, and he took them there a couple years ago. Maybe he'll take them there again. So, yeah, I, I would have uh, – we've gotten some crazy, crazy uh, – suggestions for Wake Forest basketball coach. It's not going to be Tim Duncan. It's not going to be Dan Dockich. Uh, it's not going to be probably nine out of every ten names that I hear. But Wes Miller is going to have his phone ringing by somebody, perhaps Wake Forest, given his success. He is signed at UNCG, by the way. Not that contracts prevent you from leaving. We all know that. Wes Miller is signed at UNCG for like the next nine years, I think it is, beyond this, beyond this one. Now, that doesn't mean you can't leave. I mean, they'll tie you to a chair, right? Uh, every, every contract is meant to be broken, as they say in the college coaching circles. But he has that long-term commitment from UNCG. He has resisted when others have called. Uh, some view Wake as a great job because of what Dave Odom and Skip Prosser and others had them doing. Chris Paul and Tim Duncan and 14 NCAA tournaments over a 20-year period. Uh, and that wasn't, you know, when Grandpa was around. That was from 1990 to 2010. That's relatively recent history where the Deeks were going to the big dance roughly two-thirds of the time. Others will say, well, wait a minute. It's a hard job, right? Because it's down the road from Duke and Carolina, and it's in a league that not this year, but many years is the toughest in college basketball. And Wake has fewer resources than many of the behemoths out there in college basketball. There's an interesting debate on how great the Wake job is. And everybody has a different opinion on that. But all it takes is one, right? All it takes is one candidate to see that as an opportunity to, wow, I can be a head coach in the ACC. There's some power behind that. There's also some complications to the Wake job, including this last decade where they've got only that one NCAA tournament trip under Danny Manning a few years ago. There is going to be a change in Winston-Salem at some point soon, and Wake is going to have to make these decisions under their a guy who just started, I believe, his second year as the athletic director at Wake Forest. I think his date of hiring is right around this time of year, a year ago. So the Ron Wellman passing of the baton, uh, the long-time Wake AD passed the baton to John Curry. And remember, John Curry's a Wake alum. Uh, it was Ron Wellman who made the decision to retain Danny Manning a year ago. So John Curry did not have to deal with that like on day one. Well, John Curry has to deal with it a year later. And it's just not an easy situation. Danny has a big buyout. Wake is not as wealthy an athletic department as many others out there. Uh, but I don't think that'll stop them 
from attracting a really good candidate. I just don't think it's going to be most of the suggestions that I've heard so far. Uh, a John Beeline and a Wes Miller, those are, I think, great examples of phone calls that should take place, in my opinion. Uh, we'll see what John Beeline's price tag is. I'd love to see his contract with the Cavaliers. I wonder if he's just getting paid to do next to nothing right now. Can you just ride it out? He's got four years left on that contract. I mean, I don't know. Move to the tropics, drink margaritas, and then collect money, money from the Cleveland Cavaliers, or jump back into the coaching game and try to do at Wake or somewhere else what you did with great distinction at places like West Virginia and Michigan more recently. 1-800-849-2761. Duke and Carolina play Saturday. The Wolfpack bubble watch continues. The Danny Manning coaching carousel watch continues. And North Carolina A&T or NC Central will clinch a regular season conference championship tonight. They face each other in Durham with that on the line. The NFL, the NBA, the Carolina Hurricanes, and the NHL also have some intriguing headlines. Canes back on the ice tonight in Philly. The Flyers have won seven straight games and are really, really, really good at home. There's an interesting twist to that Canes trip to Philadelphia, my hometown. I'll give you that as we come to more of your calls. 1-800-849-2761. Bobby Kremens, live in 20 minutes. John Mooney of Notre Dame, live in less than 60 minutes. Ala Abdonabi, former Duke and NBA big fella on the NBA College Hoops and more. He's third hour. You can be next by dialing 1-800-849-2761. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. If my low and away curve that barely paints the black so frequently that nobody can hit it, you're going to tell me I got to throw change-ups, fastballs, and sliders all the time? Oh, it's too difficult to hit TTG's <laughs> low and away curveball. Wah, 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 wah. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Three great guests later, Bobby Kremens, legendary coach from App State and Georgia Tech, College of Charleston, great broadcaster, friend of the program, three-time ACC champion with the Yellow Jackets. He'll drop by in about 20 minutes. John Mooney, first-team All-ACC candidate from Notre Dame, will be with us in hour number two as well. Did you know that the only ACC player with a higher efficiency rating than John Mooney of Notre Dame is Duke's freshman big man, Vernon Carey Jr. John Mooney is number two on that list. John Mooney is our guest live in about 45 minutes. Ala Abdel Nabi is going to drop by to talk NBA and college hoops from CBS and the Sixers TV broadcasts in the NBA. Ala Abdel Nabi, formerly of Duke, will talk about that rivalry. Duke and Carolina set to resume one of America's greatest sports rivalries Saturday night in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Alex wants in on the coaching carousel. Matt wants in on that rivalry game. And the one thing I promised comes from the NHL. What's different about the Canes trip to Philly tonight? Do you know how rarely the Carolina Hurricanes are on national television? I mean, I'm telling you, you got to, over a period of decades, there aren't many seasons where you could fill all five fingers on a single hand the number of times in an 82-game regular season in that sport where the Canes are on something other than their Fox Sports outlet, which I have nothing against, by the way. I enjoy John Forsland and Trip Tracy and Mike Maniscalco and the rest of that crew. 
uh, immensely. I think they're fantastic. John Forslund, one of the great play-by-play voices in all of hockey. It's one of the reasons NBC and NBC Sports Network gobble him up for extra duty beyond his Canes broadcasts. Tonight's matchup at Philly, unless I have forgotten something or misplaced my schedule, is the only regular season game in which the Carolina Hurricanes will be featured on national television. And it's a whopper, by the way. The Flyers played the Caps last night. So remember, the Canes haven't played since Saturday. The hot team is Philly. They've won seven straight games and are really looking good. They're especially difficult to beat at home. They have a young goaltender, phenomenal kid named Carter Hart, who especially is hard to beat when they play at Wells Fargo Center. The Flyers are 23 wins, five losses, and four overtime losses at home this year. That's one of the best home records in the NHL. So by that standard, it's a tough road trip. The Canes have been off. I mean, it's not like they don't practice, but no games, I should say, since Saturday night. They've lost four of their last five and three straight as the Flyers have won seven in a row. So I'm not trying to paint a bleak picture here. Perhaps, glass half full style, the Canes four days with no games, along with the Flyers having an an intense physical matchup against the Capitals last night in D.C., Maybe that's the magic that allows the Canes to get back on a winning track tonight. The rare national TV game, 7 o'clock, NBC Sports Network. Canes out of playoff position. Flyers surging way. They're one point behind the Capitals at the top of the Metro Division. The Canes picture as we come to Alex and Matt and you, 1-800-849-2761. In my opinion, the Metro Division is probably going to produce five playoff teams. That's not exactly a novel idea. Washington and Pittsburgh have struggled lately, but I think you're crazy if you bet against them making the playoffs. They're going to get two of the spots. The surging Flyers, I think, are going to get another of the spots. You know what that means? There are two more Metro spots for four teams. The Canes and the Islanders, I believe, are better than the Blue Jackets or the Rangers. There are 18 games remaining for the Canes. Others have played uh, more games. So, for example, the Canes are four points behind Columbus, But Columbus has played four more games than the Canes. So you're behind them, but not exactly, if you know what I mean. So the Canes and the Islanders, I believe, are best positioned to grab those two more available spots in the Metro. The Rangers and Columbus less well positioned, but that's where things stand. Technically, the Canes are out of playoff position as they play on national TV. And you confirmed that, Darren? This is the only one out of 82? Yeah, the only Holy one this cow, season. That's Although, painful. silver lining. If we got you... Stadium Series next year. That'll be, on a, <laughs> that'll be on a national TV broadcast. Silver lining for tonight. If you happen to tune in to the NBC Sports broadcast john forsland will be doing the play-by-play loving that whereas mike maniscalco assumes those duties uh via radio okay fill in flyers fans probably are going to complain about that (laughs) yeah but uh caniacs will love it alex in washington dc you're next on the david glenn show thanks for listening from beyond the borders go right ahead hey dg uh love the show so much that yeah pretty much Anytime I get the chance, excellent. I uh, tune tune in via some sort of streaming device. Awesome. In my car, so um, from Greensboro went to Western Carolina, which kind of leads me to this question. So, Mark Prosser, obviously mm. there's a there's 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 some ties there to Wake Forest with his dad Skip, his late father Skip. Yeah. Um, 
I'm just curious, would he ever be someone that Wake Forest would consider, considering the job he's done with WCU this year on a team that, you know, with a team that was picked to finish at the cellar of the SOCON, you know, they have themselves in position to at least compete in the Southern Conference this year. What are your thoughts yeah, on that? It's a fair question. I don't think you're crazy for asking the question. I will tell you this. Most athletic directors I know get very anxious about taking a chance on somebody who's only been a Division One head coach for a couple years. Now, if you're at a mid-major school or if you're at a low-major school, of course you can take a chance on somebody or an assistant coach or whatever. Uh, Mark Prosser has done exactly what Alex said. Western Carolina has rarely been good in basketball. So Mark Prosser took over last season. Predictably, he had a very rough season, empty cupboard, etc. But in year two, you can't ask for much more. He's gone from seven wins and 25 losses. He's on the verge of a 20-win season, and I think they finished, what, fifth in a tough league where, you know, UNC Greensboro and Furman and East Tennessee State are, are the three best teams in that league probably. So Western is right in the mix after that. They also have one of the best players in the league in, in a guard named Mason Faulkner. So if you go from 7-25 and 25 in year one, to whatever this turns out to be, a 20-win season. We'll see what they do in Asheville at the Southern Conference Tournament uh, this week and weekend. Uh, that is an amazing turnaround, and that is exactly what gets the attention of athletic directors. On the downside, when his only previous head coaching experience was at Brevard, which is a, two, uh, a Division II program, ACC athletic directors, generally speaking, will not hire someone with that thin a resume. Doesn't mean it's not a good resume. Again, Mark Prosser is soon going to fit the Wes Miller description, right? Southern Conference coach who took over at a hard place to win and started winning. Now, Wes is almost what he's in nine years in at UNCG. And those calls have come lately, but he has decided to stay. Mark Prosser's only in year two at Western. I think he'll be a candidate for other jobs. I, I know the personal tie, son of Skip, and all that. I don't think sentiment usually rules out in such situations. Frankly, it should not rule in those kinds of you know mega million dollar decisions. Um, but Mark Prosser is on his way to being in these conversations. I just think it's a little too early in his career for an ACC program, in this case Wake Forest, to pull the trigger on a hiring of that sort. Back after this on the David Glenn Show. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. In 30 minutes, Notre Dame star John Mooney's going to drop by. In a few minutes, it's Bobby Kremitz, formerly of App State, Georgia Tech, College of Charleston. He led a low seed to the ACC Tournament Championship with the Yellow Jackets long ago. Bobby Kremitz joins us live next on the David Glenn Show. Davos Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. Been? I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, <laughs> 80. Eight zero. It's the original Death Valley. You know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show.